Hey, what's up? It's Gustavo Ariano. 2021 is almost over, and we here at The Times would be remiss in our holiday spirit if we didn't try to help the next generation of podcast producers get some episodes on the resume, you know? So this week, we're going to highlight some of the work of students from the Annenberg School of Communication and Journalism at the University of Southern California. And here I have to say, go Bruins, because I graduated from UCLA. <laughs> they learned well this semester from their profe, the Times senior producer, Denise Guerra. Today, we give you Maya Abu Zara. She's an undergrad studying journalism, Spanish, and pre-med. And it's that last subject that's the subject of Maya's episode. I mean, in the age of COVID-19, it's good to know how the pre-meds are doing, you know? Great job, Maya, and ahí vamos. Every once in a while, I go back and forth between the notion that maybe I'm not meant to be a doctor, that maybe I'm not even built for it. Some days those feelings are stronger than others, and other days I feel like I can conquer the world. The pre-med track is a long and strenuous process. Some of us know for certain that that is what we want to do. Sometimes you keep with it, and other times you veer away from that path in whatever way makes sense to you. In college, the opportunities for finding what you're good at are limitless. But oftentimes, when you come into college with a certain goal in mind, it's hard to give it up. You know, like, telling people you made a complete 180 can be kind of difficult. That fear of not knowing how your peers, your friends, and family might react can hold you back. But staying true to those passions can also be liberating. Russ Reese and Grant Duncan did just that. The two met in their dorm at USC freshman year as pre-meds and have been friends ever since. But what they didn't know at the time was that they would both begin their college careers on parallel paths, only to eventually diverge into very different ones. I talked to Grant, who recalled the challenges of the pre-med track and how it eventually led him to discovering his passion in physical therapy. He sports curly blonde hair with a light tan from his few days surfing. Uh, I started um, thinking I wanted to help people um, long before college started, actually when I was injured myself. He's as calm as ever after finishing his daily morning stretch before work. All right, so what we want to do to work on the low back and all that connective tissue that's... I asked him to guide a stretch that focused on relieving tension from the back. I have to thank my hours spent sitting at my desk for that one. I had very bad back injuries from playing sports and I went to doctors and physical therapists and I got a lot of exposure to the healthcare scene and uh, I wanted to help people. And, you know, when I said that, my parents said, well, why don't you be a doctor? Russ Reese had full intentions to attend medical school. He was inspired by his own father, a cardiothoracic surgeon. But Russ faced challenges himself while pursuing this track, one of which included the pressure of constantly feeling the need to outcompete his peers, a stress that many pre-meds note as being characteristic of the track. Pre-med culture can, can get to you bad if you let it. Like, one thing I always talk about that I, I hated was the environment, like, I don't know, the hallway area before a test. When you show up, 
And all those kids that I was just talking about, like those pre-med kids that you just only ever see in class, they're all standing in their circles with their notes, testing each other, talking about, oh, well, I almost forgot about this and I made sure to study that. And I, oh, well, like, make sure you know this. I hate to say it, but yeah, I was one of those kids at one point too. Being able to show what I knew before a test was like the self-confidence boost I needed. Well, when I knew what the answer was, of course, if I didn't, then... I just felt screwed for the test. And then when you're like putting 10 hour days and do, you know, an OCHEM exam for two straight weeks and then you get a 60% and you're like, and luckily because everyone else got a 60%, you're like, all right, I'm fine. But I just got a 60% on an exam that I put 200 hours of studying. It can be so discouraging. You're like, okay, I'm here in college and every day I go and I learn something new and I feel great about it. It's like, no, I just sit down and stare at all this information and try to hold as much of it. Mnemonics, drawings, poems, raps. I did it all to try to memorize the most nuanced pieces of information. But like Russ said, that memorization doesn't always happen the way we picture it. At one point, I thought I could just train myself to develop photographic memory before my test. And no, that didn't work. That hopeless feeling of spending hours upon hours studying for material that may well not even be on the test is beyond frustrating. We'll have more after this break. For Grant, it was the lack of support coming from his professors that was especially discouraging, something I've also felt in those classes. It was professors who, one on my first day of class, said, um, don't come to my office hours. I'm not here to explain things to you. That's what your TAs are for. The uh, curves that professors put out, the um, workloads that they give, and the ambiguity which they test material is insane to me. And I hope that as I move forward, things start to make more sense in terms of how professors present material and how they go about bringing people along into medicine as opposed to destroying people's confidence. I mean, yeah. To feel like you're being broken down by the system that's supposed to build you up for your career is not a great feeling, especially if you're trying to come out as this confident, admired doctor, certain in their abilities and knowledge, let alone with an additional required four years of school. So if it isn't obvious enough, the sentiments shared between the two of them are not isolated. In fact, the challenges of pursuing this path are clear not only among pre-med students, but other individuals who know or have heard of how cutthroat pre-med culture really is. Just the culture and interactions between med students, there's a lot of that pressure creates, you know, I think a lot of judgment. I talked to Caroline Ramirez, my housemate at school. She's a student at USC's Marshall School of Business, so I personally wanted to understand the perception of the track from someone who wasn't pre-med. Most of her roommates and closest friends are all hoping to pursue medicine in the future. That's why I asked her who she thought was responsible for the toxic pre-med culture. I think that there are two parties that are primarily responsible for this culture of, you know, you're inadequate if you can't finish the pre-med track. I would say, one, definitely the school They should be encouraging people more to dip their toes in different pools. I think that there's a lack of understanding when people want to switch and they should honestly help to create a culture among the students 
where we're encouraged to try things out. I mean, it's college, so that's really the purpose of it. Most pre-med students are primarily science majors like biology, chemistry, or physics. But students can study a completely unrelated major like journalism, all while still taking all the required pre-med courses. It's not something that's necessarily widely publicized, though. It's also very difficult, time-wise and unit-wise, to fulfill all of these pre-med requirements when you have a major that doesn't intersect. But it is still possible. I think it kind of honestly associates with not being adequate enough to finish the track, which I don't think is always the case. I think people can find things that they enjoy, still possibly become a great medical student, but decide to step away. I've experienced that tunnel vision myself. We should be encouraged to dabble into other interests we have in college, not suppress them because we are so consumed by all of the things we need to do to reach our career goals. And getting out of that isn't easy if you don't have people around you to encourage you to try new and exciting things. But it requires the courage to venture into unexplored territory. According to an article written in the Stanford Daily, Colleges report that between 45 to 65% of entering pre-med freshmen are no longer pre-med at the time of graduation. Here's Grant Duncan again. I would check in with myself and, and say, you know, well, does, does any other thing interest you? Would you want to, you know, move to business or communications? And then I would go back to what being in the healthcare field would mean and what I would be able to do on a day-to-day basis, which isn't, you know, memorizing a bunch of amino acids, it's helping people. Grant decided to leave the pre-med track when he was a sophomore, but his goals within the realm of healthcare didn't completely change. He decided to pursue the pre-physical therapy track instead. You take a hit and you keep moving. Uh, I nearly failed several classes and kept it moving. That kind of resilience is what acted as a constant reminder of my own convictions. And for others, making a change in career path or focus gives them the strength to reorient themselves and to look for opportunities that reinforce other passions. In order to stretch it, you gotta warm up all of that tissue back there. Grant's now working at the Meyer Institute of Sport as a physical therapy aide. We treat a lot of different injuries and it's been very rewarding for me. And it's also, you know, been a lot of full-time job. So Grant knew he still wanted to remain in the realm of healthcare, which is awesome. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way if it doesn't make sense for someone else. Russ completely veered off the healthcare path and pivoted to a more fortuitous route. He's making a name for himself in the music world as a pop rock artist. Obviously, in music, it's scary. You're opening yourself up for for judgment and your work to be, you know, observed and criticized. So that's a scary hurdle to get over. But once I did that and just said, you know what, like this is if this is what I want to do and I want to try to make it happen, like I I, I got to just go at it full speed. During his pre-med years, after Russ finished his homework, he would write and record music sitting on his laptop, undisplayed to the public eye. During his senior year, Russ started to publicize his music on social media. I always knew that I wanted to do it. Like that was even all through college, that was in the back of my head that that's what I really wanted to do. I just never really, one, like knew how or where to get started or nor had the courage to really do it. 
So it's clear that we all have interests not exclusive to becoming doctors. And that's the beauty of having passions in the first place. But more than anything, challenging ourselves to really discover who we are, even if it isn't quite a linear path, is just as important. Ask Grant. While there may be initial disappointment, um, it's important to be um, strong in your own convictions because if you show the people around you who may initially be disappointed that this is what I'm going to be good at, this is how I'm going to do it, then, you know, people respond. Of course, having a vision of your future is helpful. But if it's a vision that's unchanging at the expense of personal growth, it can also be detrimental. We should find solace in our passions, not feel obligated to them. Russ and Grant's stories have helped me to revitalize and confirm my own passion and wanting to help people through medicine. But that's not to say without the obvious uncertainties, difficulties, and slight bits of insanity I've faced along the way in the last four years. Because that's the reality of figuring it all out at this age. We're all trying to find our way, both in college and out of it. And it's important that we create a supportive environment to get through the unplanned and inevitable changes of college. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Melissa Kaplan, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Arne Rapp. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Eapen. Special thanks to Alexander Higgins. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and this madre. Gracias.